It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're very welcome along to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. It's Friday! We can all let our hair down, we hope. Uh, do get in touch with us. I want to know what you're going to do for this weekend because the easing of restrictions has kicked in further and uh, we're heading we're heading to that final home stretch of uh, a total relaxation of COVID restrictions and then suddenly it'll be Christmas and then it'll be the new year. Oh no, the year is going to fly, isn't it, Louise? <laughs> it's already flying, I can't believe it. Uh, let us know what you're going to do for the weekend and uh, drop us a text to say hello as well. Our text number and WhatsApp, of course, uh, when you're safe to do so is 086-1800-658 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie and you can ring us as well don't forget you can give us a shout on 0419832000 now coming up on today's late lunch an artist who makes glass designs with breast milk now and it's doing really well uh, Fair City's Cristiano this week said goodbye to his abuser Will and gave a powerful on-screen performance in doing so we'll be speaking to him later on Nicola Pierce on her new book O'Connell Street The History and Life of Dublin's Most Iconic Street and the Harvest Fair is on in Oldbridge House this Sunday uh, from 11 to 4 and it looks absolutely gorgeous so stay tuned for that and Peter Sage will be telling us about the wonderful work that the Jack and Jill Foundation do for his daughter but first, Helen Hancock is on the line now about her creations made from breast milk. Helen, you're very welcome along to The Late Lunch. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Your website is gorgeous. I'm having a look at the beautiful work that you do. And I'm sorry if I sound ignorant, but I have never heard of glass being made from breast milk. Well, it's... Um my concept's a world first, actually. It's, it's kind of, it's fairly new. I, I've been a glass blower for around 30 years and I'm a quidgy breastfeeding counsellor and a birth doula. So it's a combination of all my skills, really. And I think there are people out there who make breast milk jewellery with resin and, and some people who make um, beads with glass with milk in it. But, um, but what I do is a very different process. I go directly onto the milk. There's no... Um, there's no drying or, or, you know, dehydrating of the milk. It's just the milk as it arrives at my door and I just use that directly. So um, from what I can research, no one else in the world is actually doing this at this wow. time. Wow. You know, I ha- I actually do know a little bit about this. Um, I spent a bit of time with Alison Larry, the glass sculpture in the north. So I went to her studio and I saw how she does crushed glass and she's very involved in the mother and baby homes and artwork. And so am I. And that's how I got mm-hmm. to know her. But I have never heard of this. And your work is 
Beautiful. So just for, for new moms out there or new dads or anybody who's thinking of uh, getting something made with you, explain how it works because I see some pots here of breast milk. So do they bring the breast milk to you? Do you go to them? How does it work? They um, they post it to me. So it's it's usually some that's lying in the freezer or they'll pump some fresh. I usually need around between 30 and 50 milliliters of milk to be able to work with the glass. Um and so they will double bag that and box it up and post it off to me. And it comes from all over the world. I get it sent from Australia, Alaska, the United States. Um, so, yeah, people, it's through mostly through lactation consultants around the world who are familiar with my work now, who then share it with the mothers that they support and work with. And they let them know about this thing that can help them after they've maybe had some trauma with breastfeeding. Um a lot of the time it's in relation to that and also baby loss as well, mm-hmm. where, you know, um, where families have had to do everything they can to try and, and help their baby survive. And a lot of the time when that doesn't happen, they have this excess milk there that they just don't know what to do with. So it was being able to offer people something that was not just a single piece of jewellery that mm-hmm. they can wear, but something that can be in the home that can be admired and looked at by everybody and and in that it brings up conversations around breastfeeding which is which is exactly what I wanted it to do because our statistics are so low here is to be able to open up those conversations without the stigma and without the you know that's kind of awkwardness to be able to be comfortable about saying yeah that's my breast milk and isn't it beautiful and you know and and some cases where the spears have been illuminated and they're within these mounted um, tubes that that light up and you know and and lots of people just find so much comfort the feedback's incredible that I get about it I just get blown away by the things that people say I mean I I think it's amazing and I love what I do but when other people get it it just blows me away, you know. Well, certainly for loss and trauma, sentimental value, memories, intimacy, all of those things are quite touching and very moving for somebody. And it's there and to be admired and uh, something that you can hang on to forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's with the hot glass, being able to make like a heavy duty paperweight, you know, I've seen them bounce down my stairs <laughs> and they're fine. Um, you know, and I put, um, I didn't have any of my own milk whenever I started the concept. So I didn't, I needed something to represent my children. And I had been through, you know, the birth trauma, the breastfeeding trauma and yeah. lost one of my babies as well. So I, I can, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with all that. So I really tap into that whenever someone contacts me with their trauma. But I needed something for myself. And so um, I put their baby teeth into the glass and it creates this beautiful golden hue within the glass. And um, it's just gorgeous. But I got this really funny um, message from a local lady last year around Christmas. Obviously, with restrictions, we weren't able to be face to face. And she said to me, oh, well, I'll, I'll call down to your house with the teeth. And these are were for both for daughters here in their thirties. And I got this really funny message just saying, "I've just popped the teeth through your letterbox." <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was brilliant. It was just so funny. But um, you know, who gets that? But I just, you know, and there's there is there is humour in it too. And I can see that people do look at me kind of, you know, from the corner of their eye going, "You do what?" 
Um, no, but I get I it. I do get it when I'm looking at your work here and listening to you and, and hearing things that are important to people. You know, certainly precious memories like, you know, trauma and the loss of a child is horrendous for any family. And uh, to have those special memories, they're very de- glass is very delicate as well. And it and it and it's it's, you know, it's put in a special place and you really do look after glass sculptures and items. So yeah. it naturally comes with, uh, you know, safety and care. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And and the thing is, I also want it to be something that that has to be admired, you know, that is pride of place in your home. It doesn't, you know, I, I want it to be a conversation piece that something can be brought up about it. One of the things that I thought was hilarious was I have a WhatsApp group with about a hundred and 60 mothers on it. It's been running for about seven years. It's a breastfeeding support group. And we used to joke about the unsupportive mother-in-law would be getting a piece of glass for Christmas, but we wouldn't be telling her what was in it. <laughs> 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 and she'd be sitting there, she'd be raving about this beautiful vase on her mantelpiece and, and, and she'd be sitting feeding her baby going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, terrible. <laughs> but, we've, you know, we joked about that for a long time. But I, it is about... I mean, talking to, I asked the mums in the group this morning about, you know, what would they like me to be able to say here mm. now to you today mm. on, on the subject of breastfeeding and where do they think it's lacking here? And they all said, the CM, that it's not just within the clinical setting that we assume we need the support. The support needs to be everywhere around us, within society and within our home and from our family and friends. And, you know, that's what we need need to change yeah. the statistics here as to normalise it as much as we can. It is, it's a really funny one, isn't it, Helen? It's a really funny one about breastfeeding. It's the most natural thing in the world. It's All of the benefits are there, even as so far as for yourself and weight loss and getting your figure back and all of those things that can stress new mums out because you're already like on the floor exhausted. But, you know, still we have a bit of a stigma around breastfeeding um, and I, I don't understand that and we are constantly running campaigns about the importance of it you know yeah. and to be accepting it's of just, it. It's a lack of knowledge it's mm. a lack of knowledge you know I mean I had three mums yesterday I did one to ones with three mums on the phone yesterday and each of them were having their own problems and it was it literally took a couple of minutes just to turn it around and, you know, they've been suffering for days and maybe some cases weeks where they just haven't had, you know, their healthcare providers just haven't had that tiny bit of extra knowledge that can change everything for them. And all I did was tweak the position they were feeding them. That's it. That is all I did. That's and all I you have to do, yeah. That's it. And it's just having that additional bit of information. I mean, Quid You's amazing. We, we got fantastic training through Quid You. And, you know, and continue to, they're always on it and, you know, working with the lactation consultants around Ireland and we, we can tap into all that. And it's, you know, but but I know that, but a new mum who's isolated, particularly during this pandemic, has no idea about those resources. Mm-hmm. So, you know, letting, letting them know that they're there, you know, if anybody needs to find help, they can contact me. And if it's beyond my scope, I know who will help them. You can point them in the right direction. And that, that's one of the things we were talking about this week on the show, about people not knowing what to do and feeling they have no voice. But, you know, you start by putting one foot in front of the other and you will find the answers. There's always somebody who can help you, but you have to, sometimes you have to knock a few doors before you get the answers. Definitely. And I mean, as a birth doula, I understand that, you know, not everybody wants to breastfeed and that's entirely their choice. But every mother who's part of needs support. 
every mother needs support postpartum and and we do we struggle on and we batter on and we assume that we should just bounce back and our body should bounce back and oh you're meant to be superwoman you're meant to be superwoman did you not know that yeah we all have our own personal trainers around the corner you know ready to um you know suck that belly in and uh, you know and you know forget your pelvic floor like it's you know it doesn't most of us they don't exist any longer Oh, listen, I breastfed 20 years ago and I remember I remember even then people were going, really, really? And I was like, well, yeah, why not? Um, there was a bit of awkwardness with some people around me, uh, but I just got on with it. I did find it very hard, but I did three months and I'm always very proud that I did three months of it. Um, but uh, it was really worth doing. And I have to say, my son has always been healthy. He's never been sick, you know, and uh, I always wonder, did did I give him the best start? I feel I did. I'm glad I did. Uh, it's not easy. And, and to say to people as well, there's no judgment whether you do it or not do it, but don't feel like if you can't do it, you're not the worst person in the world. It's it don't feel bad if you can't do it either. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out for moms. You know, people assume I'm going to be judgmental because of my role. They assume I'm going to, you know, bombard them with this information and, and make them feel guilty about choices. Mm. But most of the time when I talk to people and I tell them what I do, if they I find sometimes they get very defensive immediately about their choice mm. and You'll always, when you delve a bit deeper, you will find that they did want to breastfeed and they did try to breastfeed Mm. and it didn't work out Mm. and the support wasn't there. And they carry so much guilt with them. And that really, that actually really breaks my heart. Yeah, it's hard going. It's hard going. It's so frustrated. Yeah, of course. Helen, for our listeners, um, give us your, your details so people can take a look at the work that you do. It's HelenHancockGlass.com. And all the products are on there and my my details are there as well. I also am on Facebook at Helen Hancock Glass Artist. And if anyone does want to get some breastfeeding support, I have mothers in my group from all over the world, Louisiana, everywhere, who've initially come to buy glass and ended up coming in for support. So if anyone does find that they're really struggling today, you're more than welcome to get in touch and I will do what I can to help you. Oh, that's brilliant, Helen. That's It's very encouraging for people as well because uh, you do need support and don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. And we've got our National Breastfeeding Week now coming up at the start of October and it's also Baby Loss Awareness Month. So there's a lot going on around that for mm-hmm. me and my work at this time of year. And it's also when I lost my own baby was the 13th of October, which always falls in Baby Loss mm-hmm. Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something about that. I, I kind of, it's it's a very emotional time anyway but um, yeah it's just in a way I feel sort of lucky that 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 happened in that week that I don't have to go through that again a second time in the year I know what you mean yeah yeah I know what you mean well look thanks so much for coming on to the Late Lunch to share your fantastic creations and I would urge everyone to take a look at HelenHancockGlass.com the work that Helen does is absolutely beautiful and you can have a little piece of uh, DNA preserved for all eternity in glass thank you so much thank Thank you, you Helen that's Helen Hancock there and do take a look at our website. We'll take a break and we'll be back after this. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. I am Alison O'Reilly and I'd love to hear from you. I'm here until half past three today and you can text or WhatsApp me on 086-1800-658. Still loads to come on the show today. Fair City's Cristiano. I don't know if you saw him doing his graveside oration to uh, his abuser, Will, this week. It was very, very powerful. Um, and we're going to be speaking to him later on. Uh, Cristiano is a, a, an absolutely lovely character on the show and he's 
he's put up with an awful lot but he was quite brave in his powerful piece this week um, and the Harvest Fair is on in Old Bridge House this Sunday from 11 to 4 we'll be hearing about that and also the wonderful work that the Jack and Jill Foundation do but first Eamon Sweeney is on the line to tell us about a tractor run coming up and uh, very excited to hear about this Eamon because it's all in aid of a great cause you're very welcome along to the late lunch how are you? Thanks so much I'm great thank you so much for having me on delighted to get the opportunity Oh no you're very welcome right, this is, right. a, this is a, a great cause Eamon yeah, tell yeah, us about we're it We're having a fundraising tractor run in memory of Mark Hoy this Sunday the 26th of September um, uh, Mark died at, the, at home he was 21 unexpectedly from a brain hemorrhage on the 10th of February 2020. So this Sunday we are, we are running this tractor run in, in his memory. It's an absolutely lovely idea. Tell us about Mark. Who was he and uh, well, where was he from? Mark was, was a young man full of life. Um, loved football. Um, Nave Martin, Albion Rovers would be his, would be his two favourite football teams. Oh yeah, Albion Rovers, yeah. I know uh, you're them. familiar yeah. with Albion yes, Rovers, yes. I'm sure. And uh, tractor mad, absolutely tractor mad. Machinery, the bigger the better. Just loved all that type of thing. He just, he just loved being on the go, being mm. in the middle of everything, being with his friends, all that type of thing. A, a young man full of life, full of life. And um, died unexpectedly from, from a brain hemorrhage. And uh, so what doing this run in his memory... And um, we're hoping it'll be it'll be a success. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's very unusual. It's a great one. A tractor run in memory of Mark Hoy. So this Sunday. It's this Sunday, and the um, registration is at um, eleven a.m. and it's taking place at the Drummond's Agri Stores there at Turnrath, just there, there the north side of Drogheda. And the the, the cost is thirty euro per per vehicle. And they, all the funds, which is very important, all the funds received will be donated to the Beaumont Hospital Foundation and used towards brain hemorrhage research. So it's a very worthy cause and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's great to do this in memory of Mark and it, 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 we're hoping for, for, for a great day and a day that people will enjoy as well and, and feel, feel happy to, 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 to remember Mark because so many people in the community knew him and, and uh, got on very well. I mean, he was very popular, very, yeah. very popular. And how is his family and friends doing? They're doing okay. They're, they're, they're doing okay. Look, it's difficult and they're, they're doing okay, but um, they're, they're, they're dealing as best they can and it's, it's, it's hard. And But look, there's a good circle of friends and mm-hmm. it's a close community and we're all in the, in the farming business, a lot of us anyway, and um, we all know Mark, we all knew Mark well and it's, it's, they're doing the best they can. And it's, it's on I Donate as well, isn't it? It is indeed. There's, a, there's an online, there's an online, online place where you can, where you can, where you can go as well and, and donate some money. If, if you don't mind, if, if I could just give you an idea of the route, because there probably will be some disruption. Um, is that okay? But yes, just yes. an idea where, where, where we're going. Please do. Yeah, there's also, it's just worth pointing out, there's the main tractor event with, with the main machines, lorries, tractors, and that type of thing. But there's also a vintage section. Oh, lovely. So that, that'll be something to... For, for oh, to, very to, nice. To that'll be a at. big draw. And it, it's leaving, it's leaving Turnrat, um, the, the, the agri stores there, Drummond's agri stores, at one, one o'clock. And it's going to Bewley. Um, are you familiar with the area? You're I am. For? I'm from Drogheda, yeah. Right, it's, it's going out to Bewley, then it's going to Taman Fecken, uh, Clawhead, uh, Walchestown, Dunleer, and back up the main road then up towards Monaster Boyce. And it's going across then the Cockle Road 
and it's ending at Kyo's pub there at Ballymichenny. Wow, okay, so a big day out. That's quite a run. Yeah, and we're, 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 look, there will be some disruption, but we're hoping for a guard of presence. Mm-hmm. Well, we're hoping for that. So, um, make sure you notify them now. Oh, absolutely. Yes. We have we have been in touch with them. So, Race. so, so we're, we're, now the vintage section is a shorter run. Mm-hmm. It's it's leaving Drummond's as well, but it's going to Bewley, Temmin Feck, and Black Hall, and run by you know the nursing home there. I Temin do. Feck. It's going round by the nursing home there, and it's going then to Black Hall Cross, Priorstown. Kelly's town and back to Kyo's. Oh, great stuff. Eamon, that sounds like a wonderful day out and fair play to all of you and his family and friends for doing this. Yeah, and just before I, before you let me off, um, there's tickets on sale as well. You can buy them at Kyo's Pub, uh, McGrain's XL in Sandpit, Gops, Garristown, Fisherman's uh, Catch in Clarehead, Roberto's in the main street there in Clarehead. Now, Mark would have got many to take away there. And uh, the driver should be back, as I say, at Kyo's Pub at around 3pm and there's food then available for everybody and finally before I, before I, before you knock me off if you like um, <laughs> the friends and the organising committee and the high family would really like to say a big thank you to all of you for, for your generosity and donations because people have been very very good I mean oh, yeah. it's, it's a, the goodwill towards it has been phenomenal and also if you look at the posters there we have posters up all around the, the locality yeah. and uh, if there's a contact there for Paddy Smith on 087 Don't worry, Eamon. We'll podcast all of yeah. this and it'll be up online on LMFM later and anyone can check it out. So that's this Sunday, 26th, and uh, it's all in aid of the Beaumont Hospital Foundation Brain Hemorrhage Research in memory of Mark Hoy. Eamon Sweeney, thanks so much for joining us on The Late Lunch. Very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. The text, as always, or WhatsApp, as is 086 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. Still to come on the show, Nicola Pierce will be on with her new book, O'Connell Street, The History and Life of Dublin's Most Iconic Street. And the Harvest Fair is on in Oldbridge House this Sunday, 26th of September from 11 to 4. And Peter Sage will tell us about the amazing work that the Jack and Jill Foundation do for his daughter. But before that, uh, for anyone who was watching Fair City this week, Will's burial took place and his former partner, Cristiano, played by Rodrigo Turnavoy, gave a very powerful graveside goodbye. And he's on the line now. Rodrigo, you're very welcome to The Late Lunch. How are you? I'm good and thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, thanks so much for joining us. I mean... I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you now. I was watching Fair City and I watched your performance and the volume got higher and higher and I was completely drawn in and I immediately text Louise Walsh, the show's producer, and I was like, he has to come out to the show. (laughs) It was so so powerful. Well done. What a powerful, powerful scene. I mean, poor Cristiano, your, your character has played such a difficult role for the last number yeah. of years as Will's yes. partner. <laughs> it's true, yeah. It was, uh, th- this week especially was, um, it was a good you know, closure for, for Cristiano, I think. Uh, you know, Will made him suffer so much throughout the years. Uh, and you know, the whole nation was watching and, you know, you know, felt sorry for Cristiano, but this week I thought, you know, that especially that scene at the end, I, I thought it was very thoughtful of the writers to do uh, justice, you know, for the storyline because it is upsetting, it is reality for a lot of people out there, uh, which breaks my heart, my heart even to think about it. But um, you know, some sort of justice, uh, you know, has been done for for Cristiano. Obviously, death is not justice. I'm not, I don't mean that, mm. but uh, but at least it feels like that, you know something was was 
well, he let go of something, you know, tragic and, and upsetting in his life. So, yeah, it was quite emotional. <laughs> and 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 probably very emotional playing it. I mean, it was very, very real. How did you feel when you were given that script and then you were preparing your lines for it? Yeah, it, it was it was quite uh, different as well, because on first season, you know, you watch the show, so you know that uh, the things that are they're quite, you know, uh, short. We have loads of scenes because we have, you know, uh, several number of uh, storylines. But that particular one, I think I was on screen for about three minutes. And three minutes out of 24, 23, uh, just one character, you know, delivering lines. It's, first of all, it was really long. So I, I remember when I first got the script, I was like, oh, my God, I have all of this to memorize for one scene. <laughs> it was a bit of a shock. But then obviously, you know, the content of the, of the monologue of the scene, it was so beautifully written by uh, Carmel Callan. Uh, she's one of the writers on First City, and she writes really, really well. And I, as soon as I read for the first time, I knew, you know, it was very strong. And, I, I, you know, I, I knew I, I probably didn't feel like I need to put too much effort to get emotional because uh, the words were just there, if you know what I mean. Well, I think you're being a bit modest now. I mean, I know that the writing was good, but the delivering was brilliant as well. Uh, oh, really, you. really bravo to you. Um, I, I, I was going to say to you as well, the length of the piece, it was so long. I, I, I've never it seen <laughs> I've never seen a scene so long on Irish television. Um, it's probably one of the first and it was solely based on you. But I think it was really important to do it that way because of all of the difficulties and the yeah. injustice that Cristiano faced that now was your moment and you got to say everything. Exactly. I, I, th- I think it's exactly what you're saying. Uh, I think Cristiano had all those words, you know, stuck in his throat for so long uh, and obviously he, he was, you know, he wasn't sure, you know, should I go to the funeral? Should I stay? Uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's a mix of, you know, all sorts of emotions. But I think, you know, the way it was written, it was, uh, it was a very nice, way to say goodbye to Will. You know, I mean, not even say goodbye to Will, but say, say, you know, to say goodbye to, to the storyline, you know, Will mm-hmm. and Christian, the storyline. Uh, and yes, it was very emotional. I remember, like, finishing on the day because we shot in the, in the graveyard. The graveyard was uh, Dean's Ranch uh, in Dunleary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, I came home that evening. My husband was like, how did it go? And I was so exhausted because when you keep, you know, crying on, on, on camera, uh, for several takes, when you come home, like there's nothing left, you know, mm. you just want to go to bed. So yeah, it was it was quite powerful, but but very pleasant to you know to to do it. Yeah, and a sign that you you really gave it your all because uh, I was so moved by it. It was incredible to watch, and it was really important to give Cristiano his voice and the and the last say, really. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the last say. I, I wasn't thinking like that, but now that you said. Uh, I, I think it makes all sense. You know, he, he did have the last say. Uh, and most, you know, most importantly, he, he actually forgave Will. Uh, in his own language, te perdono. <laughs> yes. But uh, he did, you know, he did forgive Will. And I think in life we do need to have, you know, we all should have a bit of Cristiano's heart, uh, in, you know, inside of our own hearts because uh, he's just a very nice human being. He deserves to be happy. And I think, you know, that particular trauma was there and he wouldn't be able to go, you know, uh, to go forward if he hadn't, you know, said goodbye and, and forgave Will. So, yeah, it was, it was quite, uh, uh, quite powerful. And like you said, it was really long. I remember uh, having a lot of lines as well to memorize when we did the two-hander. Mm-hmm. It was one full episode, just Christian and, and Will. It was at the therapy session. That was like maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one full episode, just the two of us. There was a lot of lines to memorize as well. 
but now I got my second chance. I had a monologue, so I was pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've just tuned in here to The Late Lunch on LMFM, we're speaking to Rodrigo Turnavoy, who plays Cristiano in Fair City, who said goodbye to Will, who was uh, a very abusive partner for the last number of years. And uh, it was such a powerful scene. Uh, Rodrigo, just take us back uh, a couple of years. I mean, you, you met Will, uh, your character met Will. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of secretive at the beginning. And then it all, it, it got going. And it was it was good for a time. It was, yeah. It, like it, it, it was it was secretive, really, from Will's part because he was the mm. one, you know, with the family, um, you know, in the countryside, and and Christiano didn't have a clue, you know, that he he actually had a wife and and, and a daughter. Yeah. So for some time, it was like I said, it was actually uh, everything was working well, and then Will suffered an, an accident, and then Christiano met Moraid and Phoebe at Will's bedside. For the first time, and that's when the trauma—I mean, the, the drama—it uh, started to, to happen. But then, even after that, he actually left his family to to be with Cristiano, and for some time was good as well. But you know, it's soap opera, so everything that's really good, <laughs> you just give it a pop of a week, <laughs> and then you have the drama coming. <laughs> but it took on some serious, serious, powerful um, lines and and topics, such as yeah. uh, it was a, it's a gay a gay relationship, as you said. Will had left his his partner and his child, uh, but then there was physical violence, um, which could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. The domestic violence, and uh, Cristiano had to suffer in silence for such a long time, and he was so frightened. He was, yeah, he was. Uh, I, as soon as we, we found out myself and John Cronin, John is, uh, plays uh, Will uh, really well, by the way, and, and I'm going to miss him. Even though he was, you know, an evil character. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I always loved working with John. John was you know, just... Well, he played the role nice well. Actor. I mean, he played the role really well. Yes, he, he really did. And uh, we, we, you know, we're friends and we got on very well as well. So I'm going to miss him, you know, by all means, but not really Will itself. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, no. Back in the day, it was as soon as you know John and I found out about the, you know, the the twist in the storyline. So guys, we're actually going you know a bit more you know to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to become a, you know an abusive relationship. And the first thing was I don't know. I felt it was a bit of fear. You know, like oh my god, this. You know, I don't even know how to start. But obviously, you know, you're giving a lot of information. Uh, uh, you know, as you know, any actor, once you, you're facing like, something challenging, you, you, you start doing your research. And we have loads of really good uh, you know, bodies in Ireland, NGOs that yeah. help people uh, with domestic violence. And sometimes uh, it doesn't, it's not just between you know, uh, partners. It could be, or even gay relationships, could be straight, could be you know, a father and, and, and you know, a grandson. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so, so much you know, out there that happens. So it was. It was I think it was really important because I didn't. I didn't feel from the audience uh, something like, "Oh, it's a gay storyline." You know, it just happened yeah. to be two guys. Exactly. But, you know, it was. It was really about the abuse, and I think people really connected because, unfortunately, it is something that we can we can hear or see uh, almost every day. You know. Yeah, and, and I suppose as well, um, because it touched the lives of so many people, as you said, this can happen to anybody. Did you get a lot of feedback from members of the public in relation to these storylines? Yes, I did. At the beginning was, uh, you know, when, when the, the abuse wasn't quite physical, uh, I, I was getting a few messages, you know, from, from the audience, like, you know, on social media, usually, you know, uh, uh, by private, obviously, because, you know, people, you know, they actually, they don't want you know, a lot of people to know about it. But a, li- a little bit. And then as soon as uh, we had the first uh, violence uh, assault, which was, you know, the two-hander episode, 
uh, that's when you know I woke up next morning and I think I had about 400 uh, private messages on my Instagram, Twitter, wow. Facebook, and and I took my time to reply to not to reply to all of them, and mm. I did. It took me a good few weeks because oh. I was also busy filming. But uh, and also you know at the beginning I was like, what do I say to these people? You know, because mm. I'm I'm just an actor playing a part. Uh, but obviously, you know, I, I I got a little bit of advice uh, from one of those NGOs that I was telling about, and then I was I, I could some sort of you know guidance, you know, like mm-hmm. listen, if you really need to talk to someone, these people are here for you, and you know, and some people just wanted to share their experience, you know, listen, seeing you know Christian and Will Storyline made me remember when I was you know going through that, and thank God I'm out of that you know mm-hmm. abusive relationship, and I can you know smile mm-hmm. now. Uh, even though, like, you know, those uh, scenes brought, you know, uh, back memories. So, yeah, a lot of people got in contact, and, and I thought that there was a good sign, you know, that means people are actually caring about the storyline, but somehow, because I don't know about you, but I see, like, when I watch something on telly, it's almost like a therapy session, you know, like you, you identify yourself or, or you laugh, and then, you know, you get a little bit more, I don't know, happy, so I think you know uh, television is good for that, especially soap operas. Like they really tend to 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 go for you know the the day to day drama, which we all you know know exists, but sometimes we don't talk too much about it. Exactly. No, it's it's still very a taboo subject, and we know as mm-hmm. well d- during COVID, you know, all the rates of domestic uh, abuse. COVID, and, yeah. Oh, it's just they shot through the roof that people were stuck at home in the environment that they were in in an, in mm-hmm. d- domestic violence and abusive relationships, and it was a very very difficult time. The pandemic it had the good sides and it had the horrific sides as well, and mm-hmm. I think you know this <coughs> storyline shines a light on these very important topics. But I mean, not just that then. Cristiano then does finally go to the police and mm-hmm. and, and and that's one thing for anybody who's who's in an abusive relationship. But then to actually mm-hmm. get it into court is another big obstacle because not all of these oh, cases huge. that are reported mm-hmm. get through the courts and into the into the witness box to tell your story. And then of course the verdict is not guilty. Yes, that, that was it was quite upsetting because mm. I, I of course I knew you know what was going to happen, but I couldn't tell anyone. But on the street, people were just stopping me. Please tell me he's going to go to jail. You know, please tell me he's going to pay for everything. Mm. And I knew already that was going to happen because we shot you know about uh, a month before uh, it's it's aired. But uh, so yeah, it was it was quite upsetting, and I, I was upset myself as well. But mm. I, I you, you do need to trust you know the the producers and and the writers because you know they are the ones guiding the storyline and they knew exactly what was going to happen uh, afterwards i didn't know you know that will was going to uh, die i don't think that you know any 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 sort of justice i don't think that it's, it's justice but like they knew that already and i think what they really wanted to portray rte in general was this is the reality yeah you know like yeah. it would be it would be just too easy for people to to say what happened and then you know the the culprit should just be you know sent to jail or something, yeah. and I don't think it, ha- it happens in reality. And that's why the storyline was much more than just the verdict. I, mm-hmm. It was Cristiano having the support from his you know friends, from the community, uh, you know from from family, uh, and I think that that that's really what the storyline is about. It's how everyone got together to support the victim or in that yes. case you know we say survivor yes uh, Cristiano did get a lot of support and uh, mm-hmm. got his freedom in a way this week yeah exactly I, I, I feel like you know, there, there are some good things happening I'm already filming uh, some slightly happier storylines yeah, you know, I was going to say what are you doing now <laughs> <laughs> I can tell everyone like 
I had enough of emotional and crying scenes, like, you know, mm. throughout the trial as well. Yes. It was quite emotional. So I think Christiano will we'll come across a little bit happier, maybe the old Christiano, the Christiano that everyone met oh. uh, back in 2016. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that because he really needs a break and he's, uh, he, you know, he handled the, the funeral so well and as you said, forgiveness was there, but dignity was there and letting mm-hmm. go and, and moving on. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. So we're going to see some happy lines for Christiana. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. There's a lot going on in Kerrickstown. Be ready. Oh, great stuff. Yeah, I know. There's always traffic. There's always something going on in the soap opera. So it's great to see you back working. Great to see you doing such some powerful scenes. And congratulations to what a wonderful, wonderful goodbye to bad rubbish on TV this week <laughs> and hats off to you both you for so a very powerful, very powerful storyline. Uh, that's Rodrigo Tornavoy who's joining us here on The Late Lunch. Thanks, Rodrigo, for, for sharing that story with Thank us. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day, everyone. You too. Take care. Uh, yeah, really powerful stuff this week on Fair City. Um, and I do watch it, but I love the, I love the role of Cristiano. And we've a texter in here on 086-1800-658. I love Cristiano in Fair City. Yeah, we all do. He's gorgeous. Uh, but he's going on to happier times now. So hats off to him and a uh, fair play. We look forward to him getting some joy in his life from here on in. We'll take a break and we'll be back after this. Now Alicia Keys and Fallen. What a great song. Uh, You're very welcome back to the Late Lunch here on LMFM. We are here for another hour and we'd love to hear from you. I was just thinking about Cristiano there when I was listening to that song. Cristiano on Fair City played by Rodrigo Turnavoy and uh, just it really was an exceptional storyline and it went on for so long and it did go through all of sort of the whole phases that victims of domestic violence go through. You know everything from the silence and the secrecy, the taboo, then on to the court case, going to the police, not getting the verdict, and then suddenly Will is dead. And uh, he wasn't going to go to the funeral, and then he did go. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking at social media there, just lit up with um, Rodrigo's performance as Cristiano there. So fair play to him. Looking forward to big and brightful, bright things for Cristiano in the uh, weeks to come. Now, as you all know, LMFM Radio Bingo is back with great daily prize and big, big jackpots. Congratulations to all our recent winners, including Rosemary Redmond from the Knoll, who won €1,000, and Joan Fitzpatrick from Mornington, who won a 400 And next week's jackpot is 6400 And don't forget, you can buy your book for next week's game online or from outlets throughout the North East, including... Uh, oh, wait, now, hold on. They're over here, I think. <laughs> that's another That's another form, sorry. Annie's News in William Street in RD. Farrell's on Shopper in John Street in RD. Or McDonald's in Centra and Hardman, Hardman's Gardens in Drogheda. So, uh, if you want more information, you can log on to lmfm.ie. And uh, don't forget, keep the calls and texts coming in 086 1800 658. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to The Late Lunch on LMFM. And we're joined on the line now by Drogheda author Nicola Pierce, And uh, she's going to tell us about her new book, O'Connell Street, The History and Life of Dublin's Iconic Street. How are you, Nicola? Grand, and thanks very much for having me on, Alison. Oh, delighted, delighted to, to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> delighted to have you on. It really is a fascinating street, isn't it? 
Oh, I look, I had no idea the amount of history that was going to be made available to me. This was like a middle of the night idea. I had written a history book. Now, I normally write novels for children of historical fiction. So I'm completely just my whole career is based around history. Yeah. I love history. But in 2018, I brought out a history book for adult readers on the Titanic. And I really, really enjoyed that experience. And then I brought out my latest children's novel. It came out last year just as COVID hit and everything closed. And um, so I, I was kind of trying to think, um, I feel like writing another history book for adults. Mm. So then it was just like, well, what? So I, I don't know how long it took me, but I know it was the middle of the night when I suddenly bolted awake and thought, I have never seen a book just about O'Connell Street. Wow. I, thought, I can yeah. just picture you. I'm visualising you like, oh my God, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> it really was like that. But the husband was very lucky I didn't wake him up. But I got up very early. I think I got up at half five or six o'clock the next morning. I ran downstairs, turned on the computer, and I just wanted to Google a few ideas. Now, I, I don't know what I expected. I knew, like, okay, so 1916 happened on the Collins mm. Street, the GPO, and then there's Nelson's Pillar, and then you know, the statues. But there was so much other history. I mean, for instance, I did not know in 1970, three American astronauts went up in a motorcade. So this was the crew of Apollo the 13th. Mm. They never actually made it to the moon, but they made it to a Street, <laughs> thanks to Richard Nixon. And they got back safely and sent them on a goodwill tour. And they were in Ireland and got a rapturous welcome. So it was a, it was a really interesting book to research because it was just so much variety. There's so, so much. It, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And the great thing about O'Connell Street and Dublin as well. I mean, there's great historians up there, but there's yeah. ma- loads and loads of images and loads of facts and paperwork and all sorts. I mean, historians yeah. have really looked after the history of Dublin and O'Connell Street. Absolutely. There was so much information online. Uh, and then I was also sourcing photographs. So the book is illustrated throughout, uh, you know, and that that can mm-hmm. be a bit of a full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a couple of pictures that I really, really wanted. There is the only photograph that was ever taken of Daniel O'Connell, taken in 1844, which was like t- three years before he died. Mm-hmm. And it's a very blurry, very tiny photograph that I'd gone to see in the National Gallery in, I think, 2015. They put on an exhibition about Irish photographs. So I could not believe. I just thought there's no way I'll be able to get that. It'll probably way out of the budget. But we got this. We Brilliant. have uh, Yeah, and the photographs really do help. Mm. Another photograph mm. I absolutely love is uh, of an Ita- Italian woman, Livia Sivo. I hope I'm saying her name right. <laughs> but she was the inspiration for James Joyce's character, uh, Anna Olivia Pluribel, in Finnegan's Wake. Which okay. in turn which in turn was the uh, representative in the statue or in the fountain, I should say, that that's on the Congress Street in 1988. So if you remember, it's a woman with long tangled hair mm-hmm. sitting in the middle of a fountain. And she's the only woman that a female representation in O'Connell Street, all the other statues uh, are men. And I think it's uh, more than time now that we should have a few women represented too. The floozy and the jacuzzi. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Where did she go when they took her out of there? She is now in the, uh, what's it called, the Croppies Park. Um, It's in memory of 1798. So it's down by Houston Station. And when you go by on the loose, it looks like she's hovering over the pond. Okay, I think I did see it. Yeah, I think I did see it. Uh, That was an incredible statue. 
It really, I, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. The problem was it had a lovely low wall. There was a lot mm. of thought went into this. Yeah. And the sculptor kind of thought it would be nice if you were tired of shopping that you could go and sit on the wall and admire her and you're in the centre of a common street, the capital of the street, the main thoroughfare of the capital city. But unfortunately, of course, it also attracted not just the weary shopper, but um, ne'er do wells and gangs drinking beer in the afternoon and that sort of thing. Oh, so I saw them. Got, I saw them. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they yeah. wrecked it. And, and unfortunately, really, it was rubbish everywhere. Shameful. If you remember, like you'd come out at night time, maybe you'd go to the cinema or go in for a couple of drinks. You'd come out and she'd be full of suds. So yeah. you'd have to throw in fairy yeah. liquid or whatever yeah. once more into her. Um, so it was Michael Smurfit. He'd actually commissioned the statue or the fountain in memory of his father. And then somebody wrote to him and said, look, you've got to move. It no longer serves its purpose. It's, you know, it's, it's doing your father father's memory harm. So he had it moved then. And, and then, of course, he aspired. I didn't know now he commissioned that. Yes, yes, in memory of his father. Um, and it is, I think it's a beautiful I mean I it's know beautiful. she's now from the loose and I'm heading down to Houston Station yeah, I yeah. think she was beautiful oh she was but of course you know tugs getting stuck in and yeah. no respect now uh, Francis Johnson would have been one of the architects on the GPO do you know his connection to Townley Hall here in uh, County Meath on the way out to Tully Allen he, he designed it, he, he, yeah, designed it. he definitely designed the rotunda in the middle of it now I can hear my mother going no he did the whole <laughs> thing but he was connected to certain the, the floating steps inside Townley Hall and uh, what an incredible architect as well I mean the GPO look I mean steeped oh, in history Yeah I, I, I think that possibly is my favourite building mm. on the Collins Street and I've always been even as a young kid and yeah it was to do with the bullet holes in the Collins mm. Do you know what Nicola I'm still fascinated with those bullet holes every time I'm in town with my son <laughs> I'll always pass and go just have a look at the bullet holes and he goes Mammy you say this every time we pass the GPO <laughs> and I was like but they are real bullet holes from the they rising <laughs> Do you know? And, also, and I didn't realise until I was doing this book there's also bullet holes in uh, Charles Stuart Parnell his statue yes, and in O'Connell the O'Connell Monument. Yes, they found yeah. over thirty when they cleaned us a few years ago. There was over thirty bullet holes. I have, um, I have a relative who was involved in the. Well, a lot of O'Reillys were involved in the 1916 Rising, oh, yeah. but Molly O'Reilly would be a very distant relation of ours, and right. uh, she led the charge down Henry Street um, on Easter Monday, um, oh. and so everyone says you're definitely related to her, Alison. <laughs> 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 but she was fascinated with uh, uh, Porrick Pierce and uh, all the leaders but uh, yeah. we, we forget that some fantastic women were involved in the activities on that street and uh, the men always seem to get get all the big say don't they as you said the Anna yeah. Olivia first female statue yeah absolutely I, I was very aware of this writing the history so I'm, I tried my best to get in as many women yeah. as I could yeah. but I will say it seemed to me that as I was researching it thank goodness for the women who sat down and recorded events yes, so we I would see, have gone yeah. in search of diaries and memoirs of women that have probably been long forgotten um, and I went to chapters and just spent a fortune on books second hand books gone way out of print for years and years and years mm. uh, and they, they provided uh, it was just a privilege to read the journals of somebody who lived in the early late 1790s 
Yeah. Um, and was attending parties in the Rotunda Round Room, which was the big party room at that time in the late 1700s. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. So it was a lovely story of a young girl, Elizabeth, going with her aunt and her sisters attending this really posh party and they were part of high society in Dublin at the time. And then the aunt, who was kind of old and wasn't hadn't got uh, great eyesight, she walks, takes a turn around the party room and she thinks it's the arm of her daughter because the woman is wearing the exact same dress and then they discover it's actually the arm of the high-class prostitute. Oh. And then they go home and they don't leave the house for weeks and weeks afterwards. They're so mortified. You see, all that was going on as well. People Just off um, O'Connell Street, Dennis North, Great George's Street, still, the, you know, the main yeah. Georgian reg- uh, re- um, residential area of Dublin now. But, I mean, there was a lot of wealth there, but there was serious poverty back to back as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes this so interesting. Mm. I mean, at one point, the cover of the book shows a drawing from the 1750s by James Malton. So it was, at one point, one of the poshest places in all of Ireland mm. because it does seem that the likes of Luke Gardner, they just were kind of copying London and it was a real compliment to have English visitors arrive over in a con street. You know, it was called, and of course, at the time, it was called Draga Street before it was called mm. Sackville Street. And, uh, and kind of comparing it to London and actually saying probably they thought the best compliment they could give was oh it's like being in London it's so beautiful <laughs> you know so there was all this going on yeah. between Catholic and Protestant yeah. English and Irish and um, rich and poor Oh my goodness uh, Nicola o- O'Connell Street today though how do you feel about it it's uh, I don't like Look, it now I'm not I a big fan I'm going to be completely honest here mm. I thought um, I was you know, I, I was kind of regretting that I never got to visit O'Connell Street. Well, I was writing the book. I was in lockdown here in Drada. My oh, plan okay. was to visit yeah. the street frequently. Mm. So this was my lockdown project. So the first time that I could get to Dublin, when the, restric- the restrictions were lift, uh, lifted, I got on the 101 and that leaves me off on O'Connell Street. And I walked down that street and my first thought without really much thinking about it was, oh, I'm glad I couldn't see this. I couldn't I, well, I couldn't do this while I was mm-hmm. writing the book mm-hmm. because I think the book is probably quite romantic about Connell Street. Mm-hmm. So no, it's not great now. No. But there are so many plans. That's there right. There's so much yeah. gorgeous stuff going to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to be transformed in a few years' time. And also keeping the heritage alive and the history alive too. But there's a lot of plans in place and the construction has begun also clearly is um, there's huge work going on in Clary's at the minute. Mm-hmm. So no, it's not great at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But, but it will be again. Yeah, will, onwards yeah. and upwards, yeah. Well, yeah. look, um, O'Connell Street, The History and Life of Dublin's Iconic Street by Nicola Pierce. It's out now? It is, and all good bookshops. Yeah, everyone has it now. Thanks a fascinating read and gorgeous, gorgeous imagery on it. Well done, yeah. Nicola. I look oh, forward so to uh, ha- talking to you again. Thanks so much for joining all us right. here thanks on The Late time. Lunch. You're great. Uh, that's Nicola Pierce there, Drogheda author, on her new and fascinating book about O'Connell Street, the history and life of Dublin's iconic street. And uh, fair play to her to, to write a book in the middle of the lockdown and uh, tell it so well. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back after this. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. A uh, couple of texts coming in on 086-1800-658. Alison, where can I listen to afternoon show from yesterday? That was the 23rd of September. Uh, it's up online, lmfm.ie. The podcasts are all there of all of the shows. If you want to uh, take a little nosy around there, look for Late Lunch and you'll find the podcast section there. And it should be in there. Uh, another text here says, what's the floating steps, Alison? Well, um, 
I was speaking to Nicola Pierce, who's a Drogheda author on her new book about O'Connell Street, the history of O'Connell Street. And uh, Francis Johnson was the architect who, decide, who designed the GPO on O'Connell Street. But uh, very few people know that he also designed Townley Hall in County Louth, which was built by the Balfour family in 1794. Uh, a house I'm very familiar with because it's absolutely gorgeous and uh, I would have spent a lot of time up there. In that lovely house in Townley Hall, there are... Uh, steps uh, and they're called floating steps because they're kind of like it's in in the hall in the main hall when you go into the house there are like uh, the rotunda there so when the steps go up like in a circle they have they don't have anything well obviously the wall is supporting them now I'm not an architect but if you look at them they're known as floating steps because of the way they're situated in against the wall they don't appear to have anything holding them up that's what it is so they're not actually floating in the sky or anything but that's what they're known as because there's nothing really obvious holding them only the wall and they're stunning to look at and Francis Johnson was the architect of Townley Hall and those incredible steps certainly uh, worthwhile having a look at Um but do keep the text coming in 086 forgot the t- It's Friday. It's Friday. My brain's going a bit mushy. <laughs> 658. Uh, Grania McKeown is on the line to tell us about the Boyne Valley Flavours event at the Old Bridge Walled Garden at this weekend, the Old Bridge Harvest Fair, uh, which is extremely popular. How are you, Grania? Hi, Alison. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, all good. Thank you. I'm loving. Do you know what I love? I, it, the, the poster is a draw straight away. The little basket, the autumn colours, and you're just like, I want to be there. Tell us all about the event Absolutely, this weekend. Absolutely, Alison. Yeah, we're inviting everyone to come along to Oldbridge Harvest Fair this Sunday. So the Harvest Fair will start at 11am and it runs until 4pm. And as you said, it's located in the beautiful walled garden at Oldbridge House, which is on the Battle of the Boyne site. And not far from um, Townley Hall. I was just talking about Townley Hall. It's not far from there. Um, and it's lovely there, close to the bridge. Um, what goes on at the fair? So we have an array of local uh, food and drinks producer present on the day. We'll have a picnic area set up so people can relax, get a cup of tea or coffee, some nice treats meet with our family and friends and we also have the draw at a brass band uh, playing from 2 to 4pm. So it's a really lovely family day out uh, for everyone. And most importantly, Gronia, it's free. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not sure if everyone's aware but the OPW have waived all their fees in the heritage sites across Ireland until the 31st of December. Uh, so yeah, it's free for everyone to attend and it was also they also were very good to the producers and uh, left it free for them as well. So they really want to show their support and solidarity to the producers across the region that had a very difficult uh, couple of months due mm. to the pandemic. Yeah, and it's a lot of local food and, and drink producers. Yeah, we like we've Dan Kelly Cider, Everton Drought Athletes, um Beef Honey from Kilmessen, McIntyre's Tea, Danini Flower, an array of producers, silly seeds with ice cream, we've everything you can think of will be there in the day. So from two to four at Oldbridge. Well it starts at eleven AM to four, mm. but the Drought the band, band is at two play to four. From two to four. Yeah. It's a gorgeous day out and uh, really nice for everybody to come together after such a difficult time because it's so picturesque there as well. I mean you couldn't have a more beautiful setting. That's it. And if people have never been there before, here's an even extra special day to come and experience it. Because as you said, it's so beautiful. The setting's amazing. You have the views in to draw it as well. Like it's it's an ideal event. And yeah, we really encourage people to come along to it. And um, are you getting good feedback? You're expecting a big crowd? 
Definitely a big crowd. Uh, we're delighted to be uh, organised and hosting festivals again. It's been so long since we had oh, physical events. No. And such great feedback that people are excited to get out and about again. Oh, brilliant stuff. Well, look, that's the uh, Oldbridge Harvest Fair at Oldbridge Wall Garden this Sunday, 26th September, 11 to 4. And then the Drogheda Brass Band from 2 to 4. What a lovely feature to have as well, to have the brass band out again. They're a great band. Oh, they're brilliant and it's so special, yeah, to have them in the walled garden and there will be picnic benches so you can sit and enjoy the music. Oh, great day for all the family and the kids and everything and a great day to get out and see people again, isn't it? Absolutely, that's what it's all about. <laughs> we really want to show people that we're, we're getting to back to some sort of normality, you know. There will be restrictions in place yeah. still, but it, look, it's an outdoor event, so we'll, we'll keep it going. And that's the safest place to be right now, isn't it? Out in the Absolutely. fresh air. Oh, great stuff, Gronio. Well, look, as I said, the poster <laughs> the poster is gorgeous with the uh, with the autumn colours and the lovely baskets. Um, I'd say it'll be a fabulous day, so I wish you the very best luck. And uh, just to our listeners out there, if you're out there just get going go to this lovely festival yeah thanks a million Alison. thanks a million we'll take a song now David Bowie and Queen Under Pressure Late lunch on LMFM. I've just realised I didn't drink my two litre of water. I try and I try and drink two litre of water every day. That's between myself and Louise would be like knocking back the water. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking. I've only taken a few mouthfuls. There you go. Not great, but I'll have to get through my daily two litre. I don't know if I'm the only person who does it, but I love drinking loads of water. I feel it clears the head a bit as we head into the weekend. Uh, keep the text coming in 086 658 uh, We had uh, Rodrigo Tornavoy on earlier from Fair City who plays Cristiano and uh, he uh, laid his abuser to rest this week and gave a very powerful graveside speech uh, calling closure on the couple of years of abuse that he suffered and we had a caller in here to LMFM on 0419832000 and the caller said it is therapy watching programmes about domestic violence. The culprits don't get enough time and it is a very hard battle to get them into court. The victim is treated as the guilty here, here, absolutely right. And politicians need to enforce longer jail terms. The victims also need to be informed when their abuser is being released. Well, actually, the Victim Liaison Office is a, is a unit in the prison service of Ireland that a lot of people don't know about. And if you are a victim of any crime, if you contact the Victim Liaison Office in the Irish Prison Service, you have a right to know all of your um, abuser's movements, such as going to hospital and you know being released days out so there is a unit there that uh, a lot of people don't know about but the victim liaison office in the Irish prison service will be able to keep you informed on things like that but thanks for that call in here to LMFM and another texter here saying hi can you put this out to your listeners Anne-Marie Neary and Chantelle at Dance Mania and Kells is holding a fundraiser for Shane McGill from 12 to 5 Saturday and Sunday buy a line uh, and they're 10 euro each top prizes there and uh, that's for a great cause as well thank you Anne Marie Neary. Uh, that's Shane McGill, the case of the young man in Australia with his partner and child whose uh, family were trying to get out to him there. And uh, one mammy has had success so far and a huge amount of money is being raised for such a great cause. He's got a, a brain tumour and he wants to come home. Uh, so do keep the calls and texts coming in to the show and uh, appreciate them all as always. Peter Sage is on the line uh, to tell us about the incredible work that Jack and Jill offers him and his family. How are you, Peter? 
Alison, how are you keeping? I'm good, thanks. I mean, I can't say enough uh, about uh, Jack and Jill and the wonderful work that they do. Um, I mentioned earlier here on LMFM during the week that I had a very sick foster child and uh, I only for them, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, look, I th- I think, I, I don't think we could do Jack and Jill justice in the, in the short space of time we might have. Um, they're they're just an, an amazing, an amazing, amazing bunch of people. Mm. I don't think Jonathan Irwin a couple of years ago when he, when he first started, realised how much of an impact um, his loss would have on so many other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's an amazing, an amazing group and set of people. Well, and tell us. We're very fortunate. Tell us about the invaluable help that they give you and your family and your daughter. Yeah, well, look, we look. Sarah, Sarah's five years of age. She's she's um, the most pleasant, wonderful child, and all parents say that. But we 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 genuinely mean it that you could have her and her brother James are two magnificent kids. Sarah was born um, a couple of years ago, uh, 2009 to the 6th, 2016, the day Donald Trump got into power. So I don't know whether it was a good omen or a bad omen, but Jack and Jill uh, got in contact with us after Sarah was diagnosed with um, bilateral polymicrogyria, which is a brain condition, which basically affects the cognitive part of your brain, Alison, and nice. some of the stuff that, that, that Sarah, that we take for granted, Sarah will never be able to do. She'll never be able to support herself. Um, she'll never be able to, um, she's severe learning disabilities. She, like, look, she's bum shuffling, which we were told she'd never do, which is an amazing, amazing feat. Um, but she needs 24 hour care. Um, because of her condition, she's prone to seizures. Um, she had one particular seizure, um, and we never forget it. Christmas Day, two thousand and eighteen, um, we spent our, our Christmas lunch. We had our Christmas dinner in Temple Street Hospital. Um, Sarah was after taking a severe seizure, transferred to Lourdes. They couldn't do anything for her, so they said, "Look, you need to go to specialist care." Went into Crumlin. She was in special care unit there for two days, and then transferred to Temple Street for another three days. But on incubated on on, on, on support. For, for, for all that time. So when we came out, we got in contact with Jack and Jill. Um, the fabulous uh, Princess Anne, Anne Riley, came down to us, um, sat in our front room, had a cup of coffee with us, and when she left, it was like a weight had lifted off her shoulders because when you get something, when you're told your child is a, has a condition or a brain condition, there, there's not a whole pile of people you can turn to. Mm. It's not like, oh, Johnny fell off the bike and broke his leg. Mm. Oh, do you know what i done? there's not that support there no so Anne and Jack and Jill came to us said look we, we'll give you support because it, it, to look after somebody for 24 hours is, is, is very very hard um, like we can barely look after ourselves let alone a, a child that can't do the, the, the everyday things she can't Sarah can't feed herself um, she she can't interact with us. She can interact with us, sorry, but she's not a variable, so she can't tell you what's wrong. Um, we would be non-stop, non-stop with her, making sure she's on medicines, making sure she's eating, making sure she's sleeping, and it's quite hard. Jack and Jill provide a nurse that allows us, um, Alison... To step to away for a moment and catch your breath. Oh, yeah, yeah, to go away. Like... Even something as stupid as going to Black Rock and getting a bag of chips and sitting on the wall yeah. and eating a bag of chips. Yeah. You know, we, we, we take it for granted um, as, as people. We do everyday stuff that we, we can't do. But 
our nurse Sharon, who's amazing, she's a paediatric nurse. Um, she comes in, she gives us the hours. Jack and Jill give us the hours that we can go away with James. Like James is an eleven-year-old kid, and he's been through more than most adults, never mind um, kids. Yeah, and he's amazing. And yeah. we we get we we get the time to spend with James now because of Jack and Jill, which is we really get the time important. To yeah, you see, we, you know, a sick child takes up all of your time. I know all about that. I had a very sick yeah. foster child uh, and it's 24-7. But I have two other boys and, um, you know, to to take that break, it's just to recharge the batteries, but also um, to spend time with the rest of your family who, you know, children are very resilient and they're very accepting of situations and they do get on with and they understand and very compassionate kids are. But you still have to give them the time. Oh, you do. Look, you, you you have to be able to like, and that's what Jack and Jill afford us. They, they give us the time to go with James. Like James is ten, and, and we're only learning how to cycle a bike because mm-hmm. we've never had that time with him. You know, we, we've never had that time to bring him out and play football or go walk, go for walks as a family, or yeah. you know, go to the beach as a family. Yeah. You know, if we have to go to the beach, we have to pack up a, a pile of stuff, chairs, medicines, everything, to make sure we we get we can go. Look, well, Peter, that Jack sounds like, you know, it'd be like a military operation there. Two cars, probably. Oh, well, look, Celia, my wife, she's the full-time carer. She's, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it, honestly, what what, what Celia does um, for Sarah and for the family. Uh, I, I I don't know where she gets her strength from. But I but think that's really important. Isn't it really important that you don't do something? You said, I couldn't do it. Loads of people can't do it, but they do yeah. it. And then they do it with a little bit of, uh, you know, they, they don't do it the way it should be done, especially when somebody really wants to do it. And there's two of you in it. The person who really wants to do it, let them do it. And you do the other yeah. things and find the balance between you all, because there's no right or wrong in this. No, no. And look, it, 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 it's a give and take, Alison. Like, you know, if something comes up for me with football, Celie's like, yeah, look, go on, you can go. And mm. if, if something comes up for her for running, look, you can go. Yeah. Whereas, you know, uh, with Jack and Jill, we're getting to live, uh, we're getting to live as much a normal life as we can have. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, yeah, absolutely the, incredible. Yeah, look, the hours we get and the, and the support to give, like, what is it, 396 families. Like, you know, that's, that, that's, you, 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 I struggle to put into words the, the help they give us to be honest it's it's a life we have a life now yeah and and that that is the main thing that you have that breathing space and uh, yeah. you know I can't say enough great things about them it's uh, uh, no. they're an incredible incredible organisation and just the compassion and the understanding that they have where you can step away and live a little yeah look you know look everybody has a granny everybody has a grandma a grandpa like yeah, but this is specialised. Yeah. yeah, this They're is specialised. They yeah. want to do everything for you. And, yeah. But we can't, we can't leave Sarah with grandma and grandpa. No. We can't leave Sarah with mum and or, or no. with the brothers and all the sisters. Sarah, who's our nurse, who Jack and Jill provide to us. Yeah. She, or, or Sharon, sorry, for Sarah. For, she, yeah. for Sarah. She, she's fantastic. Brilliant. And, like, what better help can you have than the paediatric nurse? That's it. Oh no, it's it's so reliable and you can you can take a breath and you know they're in good hands because no one else can yeah. do that. You need a nurse. Well, Peter, you thanks do. so much for coming on to The Late Lunch to tell us about your gorgeous daughter and your family and the wonderful work that Jack and Jill do and I can vouch for that too. Uh, have a great yeah. weekend and give our love to everybody, won't you? 
I will and Alison just before I go yeah. I, I, I feel like doing the Bob Geldof thing here go for Look, it Jack and Jill up the hill okay it's a very simple thing it's get on the Jack and Jill donate it's an hour of it's, it's an hour of your time that you're going to give but also like it's, it's it's an hour of your time you're giving to us that you know we, we, we greatly appreciate it yeah. um, we get to go up the mountains we get to go for walks yeah you know Sarah won't yeah, the kids like Willow and Mead there. The people of 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 Mead have really got behind Tracy and Willow there, um, and Loud and Mead people are fantastic. Yeah. Get behind Jack and Jill. Give them all the support, not for us, but for the people coming after us. Yeah, exactly. And you never know when you need them. Absolutely, absolutely. Great stuff, Peter. Very powerful stuff. Thank you so much for joining us Alison, here. On thank the you. You have a nice weekend. Uh, that's it, folks, for another Friday. I'm off. Jerry's back on Monday. Thanks very much for putting up with me. Thanks, Louise Walsh, for putting up with me for the last two weeks. <laughs> she were great. I just sat back here and drank me two liter water every day. <laughs> two liter water. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we've had some great guests, haven't we? We've a great, great lineup uh, for the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, good Jerry, and bad. Yeah. Stories like yeah, oh heartbreaking. yeah, yeah, fair. And I mean the 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 you know the the listeners are fantastic, and it's great the way they engage with us, and we love talking to you. So always keep the texts and calls coming in, no matter what. I'll be heading back to the day job anyway, and uh, Jerry will be back on Monday. So thanks to all our callers, our texts, our guests. Thanks to ha- thanks for having me on LMFM, and uh, just a quick shout out to my cousin Anto McDonald who was listening again and said it was great to hear you again. Anto, always good to hear from you. Have a great weekend, everybody. As I said, Jerry will be back on Monday. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.